Michigan-born actress and Go Green MSU grad, currently splitting her time between her home base in Atlanta and L.A., where she's studying at the world-renowned Stella Adler Academy of Acting. Before acting, she worked in advertising, but missed the craft so much that she took a leap of faith. That's paying off. Go Danielle! And pursued... (laughs) Go, girl! And pursued acting full-time. She hasn't looked back since and is now represented by the People Store. Which is not a store that sells people, in case you needed to know that. It's not. But it's actually, a talent they, agency. Talent agency. <laughs> but it makes you think. It really does. It really does. <laughs> um, and Timothy, our other guest today, is currently a marketer living and working in Chicago. But in another life, he was a professional actor. So that's what we had him on. He cool. worked on many of the equity stages in the city of Chicago, including Steppenwolf, the Chicago Shakespeare Victory Gardens. Next, and many more. He was part of the national tour of Angels in America with a founding member of the improv group, the Dog Boys, and also has worked in television and film, including Groundhog Day. He has a small role, so find him, guys. Yeah. Um, He's written two Jeff-nominated plays. Yes. He's written two (laughs) Jeff-nominated plays and won Best Adaptation for his play, The Flight of the Phoenix, at American Blues Theater. Wow. Very cool. Tim's awesome, very renowned stage actor who now markets. Cool. What do you know? We, Life takes what you to different know? places. <laughs> like this podcast takes yeah. you into the intro. Yeah, enjoy the episode, guys. Today we're talking about acting. So let's just first hear about your guys' experience in acting, what you've done so far, um, where you got your training, all that jazz. I have been acting since I was seven years old and uh, dancing since I was three. So that was like my first introduction to being on stage. Um, Acting, I was introduced to that at seven. And then um, I did a bunch of things with my school. So it was like forensics in the Midwest. That's like competitive acting. Um, And so I started there, then into theater. Uh, I went to Michigan State University. Um, I didn't major in theater. My parents weren't really... um, into that idea. Uh, But I'm grateful for that because I was very involved with the Telecasters um, at MSU. So it's a group of of students that get together and they basically put like they study film and acting and all of those things and they all kind of come together. And I was on the show, which is the MSU um, television sitcom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that was my first introduction to really acting on film. And, uh, you know, ever since then, I've really had the bug for it. So um, after a year out of college um, and having a big girl job, I was like, I can't do this. Um, And a bunch of my friends from the show, we all moved out to L.A. And uh, then I was introduced to Stella Adler Academy. And that's really where I feel like my acting was born, like my craft was born, because I really didn't have a handle on um, the craft and how to use it in a way that, was, I don't know how to put this in the right way, but I guess um, really an art form. And that's mm-hmm. when I really understood how I can translate the passion of how I feel when I go and get a script and I'm on stage into something that really connects with other people. And so that's um, that's where that really blossomed. Oh, it's really yeah. lovely. Yeah. That was really well said. Yeah. Thank you. And you're still, you're taking classes there now, right? Or I'm actually soon. leaving four yeah. days uh, mm-hmm. to I'm back out to LA because I'm in Atlanta now. I'm repped. Um, I worked at a talent agency on the agency side, and then after about a year of that, I was mm-hmm. like, I can't. <laughs> I, you know, it, the bug was still there, so I'm like, I gotta, <laughs> gotta go back. And now they represent me, and that's been incredible. Um, so I've officially translated my craft and my passion into hopefully what can be a sustainable career eventually. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started becoming the working actor, which was crazy getting paid for it finally. <laughs> that must have been so good to get that paycheck for yeah. something you were, Yeah. You mm-hmm. Yeah. 
to actually be paid for what you love and do and do what you love. Um, and so I'm going back out there because Stella Adler is like a two-year program, and uh, I wasn't able to go full-time. And so now I'm in the position where I can go full-time. Uh, each, each term is eight weeks, so I'll be doing terms periodically throughout the year. Um, you know, my home base right now is Atlanta, Georgia. And so it's hard to be away from my husband and, and all of that. So they'll be broken up in until, you know, the idea is hopefully that we can move out there and and really cultivate the LA community, the Hollywood community and, and the opportunities that live there. So. That's great. Awesome. So well said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tim? Sure. Um, I guess I'm coming at it from a different angle. Um, from the other side, I'm extremely old, um, so I've been around for a long time, uh, and I have been out of the professional business for about ten years. Um, I started out in junior high, um, being in a play. I still remember it was called Willie Velvet Homicide Ooh. Detective, Ooh. and I played <laughs> Willie Velvet, and um, I really enjoyed it. I kept active in speech and drama through high school. In college, I went to uh, St. Olaf College in the Midwest, and um, and there I studied theater. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up uh, studying English and theater. Um, I really enjoyed theater. I had already I had done a, an internship at Children's Theater in Minneapolis um, one summer when I was a high school junior, and so it was really embedded. And my parents like couldn't stop me. So. Um, mm-hmm. My father was always leaving, you know, articles about like sensible careers and things like that. But that's what I wanted to do. So I moved to Minneapolis. I um, started auditioning right after college. Um, I got cast quite a bit. Um, I was also a dancer as well. So I was dancing in musicals and sort of stuff. I did summer stock. I did an internship then, a long-term, year-long apprenticeship with Children's Theater in Minneapolis. Um, I worked at a number of theaters there, and I decided that I was a good actor, but I wasn't a great actor, and I needed to, and I wasn't going to be a chorus boy forever. So I ended up um, applying for grad schools, and then I got accepted at um, the theater school at DePaul University, um, the Goodman School of Drama, and came to Chicago in the very late 80s to study theater and get my master's in acting. So I did that for three years and then kind of left school um, with my master's and just started working. So I've worked at most of the major theaters in Chicago at Steppenwolf and Court and Shakespeare. I did a national tour of Angels in America, did a lot of film work, um, television, all of that fun stuff. It's hard in Chicago because because there's 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 a lot of work, but there's not enough work to really sustain. And so that became sort of the problem, or not the problem, but the challenge, I guess, um, working in Chicago was, you know, do you want to move to New York? Do you want to roll the dice? Do you want to move to L.A.? Um, and frankly, my interest was in the stage and less in film. I get bored on set um, <laughs> doing day player roles, and I feel like it's a director's and a an editor's medium. And so as an actor, you're just kind of, it's hard to sustain that without any input from an audience. Um, Yes. So anyway, when the actor strike of 2000, 2001 happened um, and reality TV reared its ugly head, I just started to feel like actors were really devalued. And I I had been really blessed having had a lot of really, really good um, theater experiences, and then I happened to have a really bad theater experience with a show that I absolutely hated. I hated the director. I was really unhappy. I wasn't making <laughs> money. And then my father died in the in at the end of it. I, oh, no. I always tell people that that theater that show was so bad it killed my father. Um, <laughs> but at that point, I was I was ready for something new. I was ready for something different, and I was ready for some stability in my life. So. So I started temping and and doing other things, uh, and that's when I stopped. And then I, you know, I met my husband. We we had a child. So those kinds of responsibilities then sort of changed my worldview. And mm-hmm. while I'm still a creative person, and I've been involved with organizations, I was a artistic associate at Next Theater until they folded. So I'm still able to kind of keep uh, active 
in readings and things like that. I'm also part of the Chicago Theater Memorial Bike Ride, so I'm plugged into the community that way. Um, so I still, I guess when I'm done with this phase of my life, I will likely go back to acting and writing. But right now I'm on hiatus, a really long hiatus. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I have, I have a question, Tim. Did you... Does does your husband act? Did you meet that way, or we did meet that way? He oh. is he is an uh, an actor and a visual artist, and he also runs a software company. So, yeah, he's got the classic. He's got the classic story of you know at the software company. He basically went from sanding their floors to uh, to running the company. Oh, that's so. Crazy. But he, awesome. we both have similar dreams of eventually retiring and, and doing, you know, having more of a creative life. Yeah. Cool. Writing a play on a software company. <laughs> there you go. Acting in it. <laughs> that's, that's really amazing, though. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, so, if you live long enough, you've got amazing stories. So. <laughs> Tim has the best stories. But you always cut yourself down by saying you're super old. <laughs> I know. Well, when you get to be my age, you'll be saying the same thing. Maybe. You'll get really good surgery. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about your favorite production you've worked on so far, whether it's theater, film? Yeah, or what made that experience really special for you? Mm-hmm. I guess there's two. So where I'm at is, you know, I'm doing, if it's, if it's film or a commercial, commercial is not creatively really fulfilling, um, mm-hmm. which most people could probably understand why. Um, <laughs> and then, um, film it's, you know, I'm at the level where the roles are, are pretty small. Um, but when it comes to, you know, theater and, um, my training and what I've been able to create at my school and this is kind of why, like, I always go back to that place. That's where I always find so much fulfillment. There was, an exercise and that um, actually Stella Adler herself created and it was just maybe a page and a half of dialogue and they gave us the time the setting and it was like um, Napoleonic era of France and um, that was our setting and then I had another partner and we created this really intense scene around it and really we created the characters from the ground up as brother and sister and it was so fulfilling because it was a story we were able to create and so I guess that kind of triggers the writer in me a lot Um, but also what you can create from you know just pieces of history um, your own personal experiences and what you understand about life and what you understand about people and then for it to translate um, to an audience and to people that have been doing this for so long it's really rewarding because they get so much out of it Um, and so that was my most, I guess, fulfilling um, project that I've done uh, up until this point. And then also a short film I did. It was actually just for a short film contest, um, and it was for the band Seeger Ross. They were running the contest. Yeah, and um, (laughs) that's very cool. (laughs) And that weekend, I say that weekend changed my life because, you know, we were shooting all day, all night. Um, My friend Wes, Wes Heskel, he's in – New York um I hadn't even met him he went to Michigan State and we had met that weekend but it was just this like huge bonding experience and we just worked off of each other so well um Andy Valentine Brianna Gardner Selena McCall like all my friends out in LA they it was just this this tight-knit group and that was when I realized like I really have something here like this is something that just lights me up more than anything in the world and that's still when I had my big girl job and Mm -hmm. I think a week later is when I a week later is when I decided to move to LA with all of them. So mm-hmm. that project really changed me. We didn't win the contest. We got into like okay. the top ten though, which yeah. is cool because worldwide competition. But um, what was the goal or like the premise of the contest? Um, was it for their music video? It was a, it was a music video, but it was a short film. So oh. it was a short film contest. They had the song to bring out the inspiration. Um, and I don't, I, you know, honestly, I think it was, I wouldn't, you know, I was just the actor, the directors would have benefited from it. Um, <laughs> but uh, probably money, I guess. Okay. And, um, and just um, a platform to showcase their work. Cool. Um, you know, and, and it got a lot of views and they, they did a lot of stuff like that and they do great work. Um, but that, that weekend really changed my life. Really amazing. Cool. Tim? <laughs> um, I would say probably about like three things. I did a production of Gross Indecency, which is about the the three trials of Oscar Wilde, 
And I loved that piece because I, I love to work as an ensemble. I love um, the connection of people and the ability of a group of people to tell this collective story and move an audience. And so that was it was almost like a orchestral piece. It was and it was directed that way. And I really loved that 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 it was it was choral and and just beautifully staged. And it was wonderful to work with actors and be that in tune with them. And then, and then at Steppenwolf, I worked with Tina Landau, and I did a production of William Saroyan's *The Time of Your Life*. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with that play, but no. it's a wonderful play from the 1930s that sort of deals with um, the depression and these these you know people, these lost souls at a bar. And we worked using uh, Anne Bogart's viewpoints method, and I've never felt that immersed in an experience collectively with a group of people where it's like you're listening with your whole body it's not just about dialogue it's about you know wow. the sensation and just love that and people have people still talk to me about that show and say mm -hmm. you know that was one of my favorite theater experiences it's one of the best things i've ever seen in my life wow. um so mm -hmm. that is and it was at Steppenwolf, so you know it's like it's a great it was a, it was a big deal. It was a big deal at the time, and it was great to be in in the company of all those actors and wonderful creative people. So that and then and then I worked with a group of uh, guys from grad school. We end up um, casting director here really liked all of us and wanted to put us together as an ensemble. So we called ourselves the Dog Boys, and we worked. <laughs> We worked on long-form improv and did a couple of scripted shows that got a lot of attention, and um, and I just enjoyed that process. I love that rehearsal process of working on, you know, I improvisationally working. Yeah. You know, that it was just a it was a, it was a wonderful time and a wonderful experience. You know, That's so. Awesome. I How does love long improv. How Sorry. does long form improv um, differ, I guess, from the quick, quick punchlines, quick moving, short improv? I think like, like sketch like comedy yeah. is, okay. you know, gotcha. is improv that's based on, um, you know, it's all the, the, the wonderful thing, like um, Viola, uh, what's Viola's last name? Davis. I wanted Davis? to say Viola Davis. No, I wanted to. Oh, uh, a friend? Oh, <laughs> no, this is a woman who wrote the book on improv, and oh. I can't. Her oh. last name, Viola Spolin. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. so I was like, Viola I'll Google Spolin. it. <laughs> book on acting and 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 improv. And one of the first the the first rule of improv is never say no to your partner. You know, right. always say yes. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that for life too. You know, it's mm -hmm. like always say yes. You know, instead of shutting somebody down. And I think, I I, I think that. I'm way off the topic of the question, but the, mm -hmm. the question about, you know, what's the difference between long form? Long form, I think, is not, there's not necessarily an outcome. You're not trying to create structure so much as truth in the moment. Okay. So that could be funny. Um, that could be, that could be not funny. And I, I think just being able to go and be taken on that journey with a group of people that you really trust and have that resonate with an audience is really exciting and I think that that kind of um, working without a net informs the work that you do when you yeah. are presented with a scripted piece. Cool. So with that production then was there like a base plot that you changed every time? We had a we had a script okay. so when we when we performed we used to do these long-form jams um, that were open and were unscripted. So those were really wow. cool. And we would, we'd, we'd just invite friends and drink beer. And it was just, it was a great, great time. Wow. Um, but the, the scripted shows that we did, they actually had a script by a guy named Steve Surpass, who um, was a really talented and imaginative writer. So he wrote these scripts for us. And then what we did were improvisational soundscapes around the script. Wow. So that was what we were kind of known for. We were known for making seven guys making we we work without a set so everything came from a friend of mine said described it as like a mouth forest so people would create <laughs> sounds um and that would be that that would basically be our set so that could change um it was it was it was fun it was really great, That's really great. wow i love that mouth yeah. forest i like that it's <laughs> a good term no yeah. and i was um just like to hear you talk about plays being some of your favorite versus musicals, which you did, um, I'm curious what you guys both think about, like, I guess, plays versus musicals. 
Yeah. Well, I have strong feelings about that. I feel like theater is becoming the opera of, <laughs> you know, that it's an it's an acquired taste and not many people have it and it's expensive and all of that. I think that's sad. I, I feel like, you know, the reason that plays are not popular now is that everyone has such short attention spans. So the idea of being having to sit in a in a seat and not check your phone and actually immerse yourself into a real experience is something that a lot of people just, you know, have have lost track of. And it's and to commit two or three hours to something, that's a huge a huge deal in, in the world we live in now. Yeah. And so I think people are more drawn to musicals because of because they're get, they're getting fed in so many different ways, and we we live in a world where everybody needs to you know constantly be stimulated. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts really align with what Tim said too, and um, you know, there's a lot to be said with plays. Um, I, you know, I heard that a, there's a play called A Doll's House, and there was a phase where realistic theater came into play you know like the opera was something to like revel in and it was beautiful yeah. and musicals are kind of the same thing you know the, there's the music and the sensory just stimulation mm -hmm. but once realistic theater came into play there was a lot of truth there's a lot of like things that we had to see about the world that are happening and plays that I see now and I don't know if that's just because that's what attracts me it's just but they're they're, they can be very uncomfortable. There's uncomfortable subjects, there's uncomfortable subject matter. It's, you know, and there's a, just a lot of truth with it. There's no music to take you out of that emotion. You have yeah. to sit it. Especially if there's like a love scene on stage, that can be something where it's like, everyone's just kind of like, what do we do with myself? You know, mm -hmm. you know, so there's things that just like, it's very intimate. It's very intimate. And um, so musicals can kind of take you out of that and be like, oh, I'm being entertained instead of mm -hmm. I'm being sucked into this moment and I'm experiencing this with those people. Um, and so there's, and that's the same thing said with film though, too, is the work's being done for the audience. You know, the, the, you know, the director, the editor, they're leading your eye in a very specific way of because they understand how the mind and psychology works. So yeah. the job is being done for you. The story's being led for you. Theater, it is what it is. And it's honest and it's truth and it's so exposing. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people are like, I want to be entertained, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> you know, it's not going to be Avengers. It's not going to, you know, it's not mm -hmm. going to be Hairspray. It's, you know, mm -hmm. so... There's just a I, lot to be experienced, and it's rich. And yeah, yeah. It's also it's also expensive to go to a play. And mm -hmm. I always say, you know, I like to see bad theater. I like to see people <laughs> feel because it it's exciting, you know, because right. people because you realize how how people are putting themselves out there. And yep. even if it sucks, oh, yeah. I as an actor, I'm learning something. I'm like learning something about the play and the structure of the play. Yep. You know, why didn't it work? I'm asking myself all these questions, but you know, for, for most people, they want to see something good and they're, they're making a significant investment. So they want to know in advance, is this good? Well, yeah. you know, a new play by somebody that you don't know, yeah. are you going to take a risk on that? Are you going to blow your Friday night and, you know, 35, 40 bucks on, yeah. on a play in a, in a storefront <laughs> or, or, you know, spend 60 bucks seeing something at the Goodman, you know, right. um, you brought up a great point though about people's um, attention span it's much easier to look at your phone and walk out of the theater at a movie theater mm -hmm. you know when everyone's it's a screen mm -hmm. but if you look at your phone and you walk out or something and you're disruptive that's real humans that's real time there's mm -hmm. nothing that you know that's something you're going to impeding on so there's a responsibility for the audience too you know so yeah. it is you're asking a lot you know of people when they have so many options and so many so much noise coming at them yeah but they just don't have to. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's hard, you know, to, to make people want to do that again when there's you're competing with so much easier stuff for people to be just entertained and binge yeah. watch. People don't mm -hmm. know how to be an audience anymore. It's yeah. like, yeah. you know, you're at a live event and these are live people. And I've I've heard actors who are like, you know, how, you know, someone, I, I when I was doing Angels, um, oh. somebody took a call. And this is the early days of cell phone. Somebody, so a doctor took a call and wow. did the theater. He went to the back of the theater and was like chatting on his phone, and it's like, uh, shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> so um, rude. No, that kind of thing. I had a, a friend who said, you know, they were the, the the play was going on, and someone arrived late and came over to the stage and said, "Where's my seat?" to the actor. No. You know, and he's, I'm in the play, and the guy's <laughs> like, "What?" and he's like, "I'm in the play," and. 
the guy's like, what? And he's like, I'm in the play. Oh, know, my God. That kind, of, that kind of just, like, I don't get it, you know, yeah. is is really interesting. It's like no, the theater etiquette is, is yeah. non-existent now. So speaking of the phone thing and like people looking at their phones in a movie theater, which is probably my biggest pet peeve, I think that's a perfect way to transition to talk about film a little bit. What has been like the best theater experience you've had at a movie theater recently? Oh. I, I loved Get Out because it was, a, it was like a shared experience. Oh like God. I actually felt like other like I was connected to other people. I wasn't just having my experience with the with the yeah. film. It was like we were having a group experience. Yeah, so it that was, was so cool. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever watch it again because watching it in the theater was so great. Yeah. Oh, oh I know. And there's a blog actually. I think it might have just been a BuzzFeed article. Um, but uh, it was like a list of like all these things that you wouldn't have caught unless you knew like to look for them. Mm-hmm. But just. And some things I think were just coincidences, but like the way they used foreshadowing, the way that they like connected things or like the way that the wardrobe people, like the way that like the whole family was in like red, white and blue. Like it was just like the things mm-hmm. that they brought out that were just so deep and so mm-hmm. specific in that film. It was genius. What was really great though, specifically more new um, was hidden figures. And that's, that's, an example of exactly why I have like committed my life to storytelling is, is hidden figures. Um, this, the immense impact those women had and it wasn't until a Hollywood film that it became like mainstream knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, that it's like, Oh, now we all know about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that like one of the three women in that film, like she's still alive and could see that come mm-hmm. to light. That just yeah. inspired me. It made me so happy. And also this movie, like, broke barriers and it just it was an incredible cast and it also was in a sense really fun to watch though too I mean the music the score like it was just it was just so great um and I I really loved that and I loved the message behind it one of my favorite film moments um of being in a theater was actually watching Lincoln and Mm -hmm. I sat next to a little eight-year-old boy and I an eight-year-old saw Lincoln (laughs) that movie's so long and I saw I know (laughs) I went into that theater and I went with my mom. I took her to Arclight. Um, Ar- Arclight. Oh, I can't speak. Um, and I was like, you just have to have the Arclight experience. You're in LA. <laughs> um, and so I took her to see it there. And a little boy sat next to me and I like, kind of looked at my mom and I was like, oh boy, like he's going to be in for like, you know, in for a long, <laughs> yeah. long move. He stood up at the end of it and clapped. And it, the oh. fact that a young child could just get it like he could get it and you know something that happened over a hundred years ago and he could just stand up and be and be moved by something at such a young age like that movie will always be so special to me and I know some people were like oh like it was boring it was this it's just like (laughs) it was so much to me because it was just such an example of like what storytelling can do in even the youngest minds and I just I found it yeah I love that I think um I mean, as I said, I don't see a whole lot in the theater other than, like, the latest animation because of my son. We go to a lot of which are those great. kinds of films. Mm-hmm. What? Which are great, which is awesome. We're in the yeah. golden age of CG and mm-hmm. and animation. So yeah. seeing those is, is cool and interesting. But I, I really enjoyed Moonlight this year. I really liked that film. I liked it. That, that made me feel like... I was in. I was watching theater in many yeah. ways because it did make me feel uncomfortable. It made me look at things that um, and experience things differently. And I think it did that for a lot of different communities, not just for white people, but for African Americans, you know. And just to look at that kind of those kinds of actors that really put themselves out there and you know took some major risks. I, I thought it was, and and I I really felt like everyone was connected. I felt like the yeah. three actors who played the central character were very connected. I felt like the, so the filmmakers really, you know, brought that to life. They really carried that through. And yeah. um, so I really enjoyed that film. It's a phenomenal film. I need to see I it. A, I want to see it so bad. I haven't yet though. Yeah. I, I was, I was just in tears. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I have a kind of a follow up question to, I guess, both of the films you guys mentioned. Sometimes you're placed in, in historical settings or settings where you, it's your job to story tell from a perspective that you haven't experienced or might not agree with or 
can't, haven't connected with, how do you um, build those connection points and how do you become more, more educated as your character? That's my favorite part of it all. <laughs> it really is, the research and the, um, the creating part. Uh, I, my technique is, the Stella Adler technique is really based on the imagination. Um, personal experiences are, are too limiting. Um, I haven't lived that kind of, like if I haven't lived that life and I'm trying to step in it based on my personal experiences, I'm doing a disservice. Um, but that's the best part. And Stella like has this thing called blood history. And so we're all connected to, you know, my, my grandfather was um, a soldier in World War II. You know, so there's a level of connection to this history we can all kind of pull from of understanding of what that was like for my grandfather, what it was like for my grandmother during that time, and just educating yourself and just diving into it, but then also using our imagination. You know, as little kids, you know, I like thinking of, I use regrets as an example because that show was so great of like how in a child's mind, when you come up with something and you're imagining, you're, you know, you're just thinking of this different world, it really becomes real to a child, you know, like yeah. they're in that world, they're so committed to it, that's their truth. And so, you know, it's kind of going into that and pulling down those walls of letting yourself go into that, you know, childlike imagination and rebuilding it, but being so vulnerable, knowing that like, we have these survival patterns that want to come up and, you know, protect us from feeling certain pain or protect us from feeling yeah. certain things so we have to trust that I'm okay I'm in a safe place I'm not going to die if I let myself feel this way and so but being you know it's there's a price to pay with every kind of emotional area you go into yeah. but then it's so rewarding because now you've just gained a new level of understanding of not maybe personally experiencing it no I can't say that I've I've gone there or done that myself but there's this new compassion and understanding and lack of judgment for that because you understand how the human could have done this or been there you know you just yeah. understand it now it's just kind of going through those steps of educating yourself exposing yourself to as much as you can in a safe way but just like you know all the research everything you can read on it anything you can watch on it the music you can listen to or the people you can talk to about it just putting it all in and then using your imagination to build off of it wow tim yeah, I think I think imagination is the like is the the bedrock of of what actors do. You know, you have to imagine yourself. It's still pretend. It's still make believe. You know, I think that there's there's definite value in sort of the method, um, which is sort of having that real experience and you know trying to trying to experience things as fully as you can. I think that that. We all we all try to do that, but I do think it's like, um, what was it that that uh, Olivier said to uh, said to Dustin Hoffman? They were making Marathon Man, and and uh, Dustin Hoffman was staying up, you know, all night long and just trying to get himself into this panic. He was, um, and he said to Olivier, he said, you know, how, how do you do this? You know, he's like, well, try acting. You know, because that's, <laughs> it's, it's not be it's not being it's it's acting. You know, <laughs> and I think you have to bring a certain amount of technique to it. I think research helps. Being uh, imagination helps. I love in I love working in a theater where they're supported enough to be able to provide yeah. um, a dramaturg because that can be a wonderful resource to to work with someone who's got who's been researching story, all of that kind of stuff. It's wonderful. When I did Gross Indecency, we you know we worked. The dramaturg who told us all about Victorian society, the morality of the times, the clothes, wow. the, you know, it's just, it's great. So if you can have that immersion and then you bring your imagination to it, then you can actually have a real moment. You yeah. know, I feel like that's, that's the end result. And if you start working at it from, I'm just going to be real, then all you get is sort of a lot of itching and scratching and burping <laughs> and farting. And, you know, that to me is like, that doesn't serve the play. <laughs> kind of a follow-up to those. Have you guys ever had a situation when you're acting that has, has, you haven't been able to walk away from getting out of the feeling that you've put yourself into? I think creative people are very empathetic. And I think you take on the stress or sometimes the negative side of your character. How do you, have you guys experienced that and how do you get out of it? Alcohol. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did a a production of Angels in America, and that's a very, it's a long play. It's two plays. It's seven hours total. Um, it's two, two, three and a half hour plays. And 
it's really intense and the character of Joe is this Mormon um, I don't know if you know the story he's a closeted Mormon guy he basically ends up he's married to a woman who's an agoraphobic and he works for Roy Cohn and he has a really tough journey because he strips away all of the stuff that he knows and sort of sheds it and comes out of the closet and then is left alone at the end of the play. And it's, it's, everyone else has sort of this redemptive journey and Joe is sort of left lost at the end of the play. And it's a really hard thing to go through that, to get slapped by your wife at the end of the play and have people cheer, Um, (gasps) you know, and that's the end of the play for Joe. That's, that's where he's left. He's left mm. in a puddle. She's, he's given a, a, a bottle of pills by his wife, who's finally freeing herself. She slaps him and she says, you know, take one with a very tall glass of water, you know, and basically says, I'm out of here. And, and he's trying to come back to her after things didn't work out with, with the guy that he ran off with. So he's not a very nice character, mm-hmm. but it's hard to play that and it's hard to end a show and have guy. that yeah yeah so, so alcohol. you know I, but, but then you, I mean, in the end you say this is this is a play you know and you look at the rest of your life and all the wonderful things that are yeah. going on in it and i think that helps you yeah. restore yourself so that you can do it again tomorrow yeah, you know? and you're like i'm not joe that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's great. One of my, uh, I had a, I did a monologue, um, and it, the, the mother, she, um, kills her son basically to get back at the man who had raped her as a young girl. And, um, but he was like, the son was like 14. She loved her son and everything, but it was literally about like creating a, a balance in the world and revenge oh, wow. and all this stuff. And so that was, um, was one, like a character that, you know, a lot like in not, not being a good person, you have to kind of lose the judgment of understanding. I know she's not a good person cause you have to lose that judgment. Cause the more yeah. that I judge her, then it, it doesn't work. Right? right. So, um, then when you kind of go into that place where you're like, this is okay to not like, it's okay to do, but like mm-hmm. trying not to judge her and just tell her story. It really, really does kind of, there's the self-hatred along with that. I think any human who can do something like that, there is an inner self-hatred. And so it's like, how do you let go of that and not let that translate into yeah. your life? And um, I think the greatest thing is one of my teachers, Laura Leva, she made such a great point. And she's like, do you think Anthony Hopkins, you know, how do you think he builds up Hannibal Lecter and then builds him down to go home as Anthony Hopkins at the end of the day? And yeah. so, you know, it's so much understanding of the, like the human brain helps and understanding psychology. And then also some yoga and meditation really helps you come yeah. back to yourself, you know? And um, alcohol. And, yeah. And, yeah. And alcohol. <laughs> well, fun. No, no. Tim, you mentioned earlier that film sets make you bored. And I know, Danielle, you worked on the TV set at, at State. So I guess I wanted to hear more about that. Mostly so I could plant this Easter egg for people to try and find him as the waiter in Groundhog Day, which is my goal in life. I need to watch that movie so I can find you. But anyway. You've never so seen like, that movie? No, I haven't. That's my bread butter. That, I still get paid. I know. It's like, it's, it's like the, the, the ghost of Christmas's past or whatever. It's great. It pays for my SAG dues every year. I know. Um, <laughs> No, that was a fun, that was a fun shoot, but it was boring. You know, it's like, I played so many games of like gin with, uh, with Hinden Walsh and, and, uh, Michael, oh God, he's like a star now. Um, I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, I, but that's what I did. You know, I spent eight days sitting in the grass, it was it was beautifully sunny, and they were trying to make it look like winter. Um, but you know, we sat around and and ate and played and went to craft services and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know that that bores me. And you know, on other sets, I'm not impressed with celebrity. So that doesn't you know like oh you're working with Bill Bill Murray. I'm like he's a really nice guy. Who cares? Who <laughs> <Okay>. cares? <laughs> I, you know, I, when I did Road to Perdition, and if and there's an Easter egg for you. Mm-hmm. If you can find me in Road to Perdition, I will give you my next 14-cent residual check. <laughs> but, you know, 
working with Tom Hanks was he was a nice guy. You know, it's like, but it's not like that does not drive me. That is not an interesting thing to me. And I maybe if I was working on a film and had like a larger role, it would be more interesting to me. But most of my experiences have been as a day player. And so that's boring to me. <laughs> I like the residual checks. but. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Especially with Groundhog Day, that's on TV all the time. That's probably why it's so big, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You never know what's going to happen. You know, within Groundhog Day, I play this this gay waiter that that Bill Murray outs when he's trying to prove to Andy McDowell that he's been reliving the same day over and over again. And and, um, we did it both ways. It was scripted that I said, no, I'm not, and ran away. (laughs) And then we did it, and Harold was like, you know, do it that you are. And let's see what happens. So we did that. It cracked everybody up. And we did it both ways, you know. And then I didn't know what cut he was going to use until the film came out, you know. Mm -hmm. So, And at that time, somebody admitting that they were gay back in 92 or whatever that was, that was shocking. It was like, oh, it was really surprising and funny. Mm -hmm. Today, I don't think it would be so much. So so it's it's interesting. But that, that, I really do feel like, the decisions those decisions get made by the filmmaker by the director and the editor and all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff actors are there to sort of bring it but the satisfaction doesn't come until much much later yeah yeah well danielle um you and danielle and i got cast as extras in the same movie at the end of college and our we spent literally all day as extras in this on this set being an extra um, we got, sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, it was fine, but and we got paid, which is great. It was just like a random paycheck for me. I mean, but we were there all day, and our scene didn't even make the movie. Oh, <laughs> I, I even movie. bought the DVD to see if it was like a cut scene on the DVD, <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> so sad. Oh, I've still never even seen it. Oh, I uh, really? made a promise to myself. Shortly after that, and there's a couple times I've gone back on it, um, but I promised myself I'd never be an extra just because it's like be- herding cattle, and I just and you get treated so poorly, and it, you question everything. And so I understand, you know, when you do have the smaller roles, it's so boring because you know. But um, actually, what kind of keeps me motivated is. Um, a few times that I've been a stand-in, and so it's actually really cool um, because you know you are filling in. Uh, you're you're filling in as that main role the day player the the, um uh, not day player series regular um or the main cast uh and so you get to step in and so you really get to see um how just everyone works together and I guess that kind of brings me back to my show days at MSU and how all my friends are you know really really close still and how just we all work together and you know Tim you said you love working in an ensemble and that's kind of how I feel is it is an ensemble and knowing that you're a part of it um and where I you get the satisfaction from the audience is like if I can work with the director and you know I'm making the director happy that's my audience and so there's that kind of same feeling and just seeing how it comes to life and then being able to see the final product of what everyone in that whole team created is really cool because then I get to, I feel like I get to be a part of the creation and then also get to experience it as an audience. And my, I love that aspect. My dream would be to work with a filmmaker like Christopher Guest or mm-hmm. um, Mike Lee uh, mm-hmm. because work improvisationally, they work as an ensemble. They bring back the same people right. frequently and it's just like, that would be fun. That would be great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's when I have stuff like that, it does kind of, it keeps that motivation alive of like, you know, even though you can start to question like, why am I doing this? I'm not booking anything. Why am I doing this? You know, that's why staying in a, in a school and staying in training and staying with a group of people that just constantly create yeah. is so important because if you're not booking on that end, you're going to just for, you know, you'll forget it. And so the few times that I have been a stand-in, um, I was on a Lee Daniels show, um, and it was just incredible the amount of professionalism and, um, and, and just how everyone worked together and everyone was really respectful. And, you know, it was, it was really, really cool. And so that kind of reminds you of, like, that's what I'm working towards, mm-hmm. you know? You kind of get the little glimmers of hope, <laughs> you know, and that kind of keeps yeah. you. And there's obviously the hurry up and wait. That's the film television world. You hurry, 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 and then you're waiting. Um. <laughs> it's hard to um, just the process of be, that. Probably the worst thing about being an actor, I think, is the uncertainty and the rejection. Yep. You know, 
It's like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in six months. I don't know if I'm even, I have friends who have won Tony awards and have done really, really well. And then they, then they don't work, you know, it's like they don't work for a month or a year or whatever, and they get rejected and they don't do stuff. And then they're, you know, it's hard, it's hard. And, and, you know, your support system is key. You know, um, your support system is key, and I feel like I've actually been able to move forward in my career and and everything. You know, with since my relationship with my husband. You know, and so that's been so important that you have that strong base yeah. to remind you of what why you're doing it and your passion for it, and that you are loved and you are supported and you are, you know, everything that you need to believe that you are to to move forward. Yeah, it takes yeah. a lot of confidence because it's a lot of rejection. Yes. Yeah. Actors have like mm-hmm. no confidence at all. So, <laughs> so you're constantly rebuilding it and rebuilding it and rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. Well, and also like when you go on an audition, you you don't want to want it too much so that right. you're crushed, mm-hmm. but you also need to want it right. so much because that's yeah. what's going to get you the job. So yeah. it's a really tough. And uh, there's no thing. there's no strategy. It's not like a, a job where you start as as an assistant you can work your way to the top there is nothing like that it's really a people's business and you know everyone says oh it's all about who you know but kind of yeah you need to constantly be you know putting yourself out there and wanting to be someone that people want to work with yeah Yeah. it's also yeah sorry it's also like the the funny thing is, it's sometimes it's what you look like. Like I did, I the first oh, film yeah. gig I got was for uh, uh, was for Public Public Eye with Joe Pesci, and and I went in and did this audition, and you know I dressed in the period costume because it was set in the 30s, and so I went in and I I did the audition and I got it, and I was like, oh, it's my first gig, and you know, great, and it was a little little scene with Joe Pesci, and um, I went in, I went on set to go see Wardrobe. And met the director, and the director was like, um, "Where are your glasses?" And I, I said, "You know, because they had these little little wire frame gold glasses." And I said, "Oh, uh, you know, I don't n- normally wear them." He's like, "Be sure to bring them," you know. And I felt like I was cast for my glasses because I was <laughs> I was playing Del Close's son, and he, of course, you know, had these round spectacles and stuff like that, and I felt like, oh. So I'm like the young Del Close, and that's why you cast me. You know, <laughs> nothing with what I was doing. So, right. you know, you never it's know. Like the look yeah. I wanted. So I guess my my last question, if Jess has yeah. another one, um, but my last question was just kind of, what actor's career do you do you most admire? Whose yeah. career do you think is that's the most great question? Um, mm-hmm. um aspirational, <laughs> I guess. Wow. You go to Viola mm-hmm. Davis. I know she's hot right now. I'm like, everyone's following her, but I just, she's so like, she does the ugly cry. She does like, she just is so vulnerable and just there. And it's everything she does is so beautiful to me. And so just open and true. And she, I just love her. I love her so much. And she has so much class and so much passion and everything she does is just magic to me. So right now making it at an older age. And that too, yeah. that too, it's like, there's a role and she's fierce and she's beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, yeah. her age isn't even, you know, a factor, yeah. you know, it's, and she's playing all these roles and also Robin, um, Robin Wright, Robin Wright, oh, yeah, right. Because, Robin you know, Wright. she was, for, she was, um, for Jenny and Scum. Scum. Yeah. And the Princess so you, Bride. And, Bride, mm-hmm. so she had this young career, but then it's like I think her later career is what's really, really yeah. showing her, and mm-hmm. also how she's been as a mother too, and the children she's raised—they're just like all like philanthropists and incredible. So it's just you know the fact that she's she brings great. all aspects of the world, you know, of everything. Yeah, like, yeah she's playing a superhero mm-hmm. like at her age. Like how fucking mm-hmm. cool is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you—I'm feeling cool. it right now. It's like I, you know, I just got married, and the talk mm-hmm. of wanting to have kids, and the whole like the whole industry talk of oh well you're getting older in these roles and yada yada and I'm like no fuck that fuck that look what they're doing it can happen anyone can do it and it's just like there's a role for every age now and Mm -hmm. as a woman like that is oh that's so liberating and I just love it yeah I'm excited of all the opportunities that are you know opening up and being created for women of all ages so those two though specifically right now they're really really inspiring yeah Tim I don't know that I have any actor that I that, you know, that I think about their career or anything like that. I'm more interested now in sort of the way that storytelling's opening up on lots of different 
in lots of different ways. So it used to be, you know, you can do film or you can do theater and, yeah. you know, you might get a commercial, but now it's like, or TV and, and, and film. And, yeah. yeah. And now it's like people are able to produce really interesting long form stories and, um, you know, there's just so much to, to see. So you're not necessarily hitting that mass market, but you're hitting the, the right market. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's really cool because that does sort of move on camera acting into a place which is more about connecting with an audience. Um, and that has always been something that's kind of been missing um, yeah. for me in terms of my relationship with film um, versus my relationship with, with theater. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. There are actors, a lot of actors that I admire and I think, and it, and, and also the, the small format kind of, you know, binge worthy shows that we all watch show you how many different actors, really good actors there are mm -hmm. out there working that yeah. nobody knows about. So, you know, I, I was talking about Orange is the New Black. There are wonderful, wonderful actresses in that in that show that mm -hmm. that are just, you know, they're fantastic. They're great. And they're putting it out there. And so I admire that. I guess I admire the faceless actor, mm -hmm. um, the really yeah. good faceless actor or nameless actor mm -hmm. that you don't know who's who's working, you know. And it's also giving a platform for shows that couldn't have been produced otherwise and funding right. for that from their big shows yep. so they people can have these these amazing projects out mm -hmm. there. Um, well, yeah, and Netflix being... is now picking up like films from Sundance who wouldn't get a wide release oh, and instead they're releasing yeah. them on Netflix. And yeah, hopefully out of this they'll find that there is a market for these things that they mm -hmm. they didn't know or or help better like Tim said target that market or find yeah. the right people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I really like I I'm curious to see how VR starts to play into the acting world soon because I yeah. feel like that's a new way to experience storytelling that is emerging and um, in a scene. We're yeah. Seeing, we're, thank yeah. you guys. Those are great. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for your time. This is really yeah. fun. Thanks. Thank you. I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an honor to talk to you guys. You're so well spoken. Yes, Thanks so much for listening. For updates from the podcast, don't forget to follow Hello My Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe and rate the pod on iTunes so even more awesome listeners just like you can find us. Bye. 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 <laughs>